Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollack. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together, we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P. We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers, Ellie and Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships. We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving. Hello, and welcome to the Plan P podcast. So this week, we're continuing on a theme because last week we talked about worry, and it's been really, really hard to put down. Parents have been talking to us about, "Ah, but I I really want to stop, but I just, I don't know how. Like literally, I've heard people say that. I had someone the other day also tell me, Sarah, I can't. I'm worried. So, yeah, we we get that. (laughs) We do. We've been there. We've done that. I mean, that's the thing about worrying, right? We all do it sometimes. It's not a criminal offense. Yeah. And I think we believe that this is really, that worry is an obsession. It's in many ways like addiction. Absolutely. We go for it. I want to pick it up. Right. Because I feel overwhelmed. Right. And better because we're doing something, even though what we're doing is nothing. <laughs> yes. And there's lots of, I mean, in that addiction thing, there's lots of things out there these days about addiction. Mm-hmm. We have referenced them in previous podcasts. I will reference them again here. <laughs> Gabor Mate talks about his addiction to classical music, which may not sound like much of an addiction, but he's opening up this possibility that we all are addicted to different things. And Anne Lemke says the same thing with yeah. her addiction to romance and novels. Yeah. And I think one of the key things that they reference is that it crosses that line into addiction when it starts getting in the way of your doing other things of your life. That's where it sort of becomes more addictive than just obsessive. Right. And definitely in that way of how is it impacting the lives of the parents that I speak with and that you speak with, Mm -hmm. it's having impact. Yeah. It is disturbing sleep. A lot. Right. And it gets in the way of doing, taking care of other things. Sometimes it trips into overeating or undereating. So yes, I want to also just for clarification, because we love clarification, because sometimes communication is really hard. (laughs) We talk about that a lot. But ye old Oxford Dictionary, what is this thing called worry Mm. that we're talking about? Ye old Oxford says, worry give way to anxiety or unease allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles so it's a choice mm. one of the things i've learned to do around addiction is contrary action right so that allowing your mind to dwell on unhappy things it's like yeah so change your mind to more mm. positive things I think that's one of the reasons gratitude lists work, right? Because it gets your mind off whatever's negative. Right. And I think that's great. 
And I'm not sure. So here's the thing about taking all this thing about worry and then making it about our children. Mm. It, it's sort of the next level. Like I can change my attitude. Yeah, no problem. But then like, it's this thing about our kids. We, from the moment of conception, we have these expectations, we have these hopes, and then we might start worrying. And then we go to, okay, there's a problem. And here's what I know I did. Mm -hmm. What's the solution? It's my parental job (laughs) to fix it. And I have a parent who says to me, but isn't it my job, Sarah? No, three children all in their 20s. Is it her job to worry about them? You know, if that's what she wants to do in that way, that sort of raising awareness week after week, we talk about how is it helping this week? Do you, are you ready to put it down yet? How is it helping? How is it helping? And as like for me, Mm -hmm. as a parent, when I worried about my child in second grade, when Harrison, like Harrison in first grade, it became clear, like he was doing his letters in some crazy way that I can't even explain without showing people. So I'm not going to try and explain it here, but it was taking him longer and doing it more difficultly. It was clear that there was something. And it turns out if you go a lot of schools, but certainly public schools, in order to get an IEP, you have to be three years behind, which you can't possibly be in first grade. So they're like, no, he's fine. And his teacher was so good, loved his teacher. His teacher really saw him, delighted in him and did what he thought was very much the right thing, which was put Harrison in the same class as his own daughter. So, you know, he really thought that was an exceptional teacher Mm -hmm. and she really was for his daughter. (laughs) It wasn't a good match for Harrison and Harrison was sick every day, almost. I mean, the rotating, there was the stomach stuff started in second grade. So what did we do next? We, we were worried again. So we, when we were touring schools for Allie, we were, do you remember this? We were leaving after touring this school and it was a K through eight. Right. And we were leaving, literally walking down the hall, close to the door. And we sort of came to this realization, this would be a great place for Harrison. Right. <laughs> like Allie, Allie will be good wherever they go next. I mean, we like this school, but Harrison. And we ran back up and I said to the admissions person or whoever, can I have another application? <laughs> <laughs> right. And then... By sixth grade, we were worried again. Let's get a neuropsych. Let's put him on medication. Keep worrying, keep worrying, keep worrying. You know the truth? I'd lost my way. Mm. As parents, I think when they get to that older age, whether that's 11 or 21, we worry and there's less we can do. I'm using air quotes in some ways because we, of course, in the work we do, think there's plenty we can do but we feel out of control. Right. We get more and more lost and we want to control more and more. And so we worry because that's something we can do. Yeah. And what, what I hear you saying is in the beginning, when they're young, we feel like there's a lot we can do. Yeah. When actually, you know, his brain works a little differently and there's no changing that. Right. We went from we had an awareness that there was a problem to fixing it. Mm-hmm. We lost sight of him right? in many ways. And sometimes we get lost in life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And parenting is a easy place to get lost. One of my better parenting moments, mm-hmm. and I have a lot. Can I just say, pause for a moment? I talk a lot about all the mistakes I made, and good Lord knows I'd made plenty. 
But one of the better ones that I made was one year I decided I'd take the kids to what I was saying then I was going to take them West and everyone would look at me like you can take them into the ocean, Sarah, <laughs> because that perspective thing, I grew up in the Midwest. <laughs> so when we went West, we ended up in the Southwest. So I had to reframe and say, we're going to the Southwest. I'm not going to drive into the ocean. And on that trip, the first night, I think it was the first night we were coming up on Yosemite and I got lost. Like this is before GPSs, this right. is before even like before iPhones, before GPSs, before all that. I had a piece of paper right. and I got lost. Mm-hmm. The kids were in the back seat. They were like five and eight, six mm. and nine. I got I, lost. I was going to say it has to be before that because I wasn't around. Yeah. It, well, it was the summer before you moved here. Right. We went on this tour of the Southwest three mm-hmm. weeks. One of the longest vacations I've ever taken in my life. And the first night I got lost and I pulled over and I looked up at the sky and I'm not like a religious person. I wouldn't say I was praying. I was just like, more like, what the fuck am I going to do now? And I get sort of gathered my wits about me, actually. I was like, you can do this. You got a flashlight. You got a piece of paper. You can't have gone that far off. And I looked up at the sky and I swear to God, I saw a falling star. I'm one of those people who loves stars. And I have set myself up. Oh, it's the night of shooting stars. And then like, you know, it's overcast. This one night I saw that one. I will never forget that. And that just gave me courage to like turn around, go back, find the right road, find the motel that we were going to stay in the first night. There were so many magic moments in that being lost. Mm. And another time that week, that same summer, I don't know if we were lost this time. We were going into Death Valley and we pulled over. I was scared. Some guy was overheated. His brakes had gone. You're going down, down. You do not want to lose your brakes. So I was being probably fairly compulsive about stopping regularly and going really slow. And I remember it was so quiet. It was just this amazing moment. And Harrison, who had not been raised with religion, said, whispered, when it's really quiet, you can hear God talking. (laughs) These magical moments happen. Right. Like when we can admit we're lost in some ways. And I didn't want to admit that with the kids. I wanted to know that I could set them up for success. Right. Well, we feel responsible when we have that control. Right. One of the gifts of them getting older is we are less responsible for them. Which could make us worry more for us. (laughs) (laughs) And this also reminds me of positive discipline. Mm. One of those many things where someone said to me, why didn't we, why didn't they teach us that when our kids were little? And I was like, well, they'd been around. (laughs) They actually did. We just didn't know about positive discipline. And, you know, there, there is a positive discipline training for teenagers, which we have never done a course in, but we've studied that and are certified too. And one of the things they talk about is, consider what the child is thinking feeling and deciding and deciding right and in all of that worry stuff we don't focus on their feelings or even their thoughts right what are we thinking oh we're thinking hold on let me go back to that we are thinking that we are going to give way to anxiety or unease and allow our mind to dwell that's thinking right our yeah. mind dwelling yeah. that's thinking on difficulty or troubles And we don't consider how we're feeling because we're just scared. I'm just worried. 
I can't do anything else. And then we decide to what? Keep worrying? Because that's all we know how to do. I think that's where we end up sometimes, right? Right. I think that is what gets short-circuited is we actually don't consider what the child is thinking, feeling, and deciding. And if worry is where we're landing, then we don't have that last piece for sure of what action are we taking. That worry is not really an action. Right. It feels like an action, but it's not actually an action. Right. It feels like we are doing something. Right. You said that earlier. Right. Lucky for everyone listening, we have come up because we heard so many people worrying and wanting to know more how to stop that. Right. So I think part of that is consider what you are thinking, feeling, and deciding Mm -hmm. and explore with your child what they are thinking, feeling, and deciding Mm -hmm. because you're looking at the behavior. They're making decisions. Right. Conscious or not. So we have um, created a... Well, it's the ACE sheet. It's the ACE sheet because you can ACE this thing of not worrying and we've got some tricks for you. So first, I think we can spend a few minutes sort of just in that understanding what it is, how you can ACE it. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk a little about some of these things on this sheet. But first, let me just say ACE stands for Awareness communication, and engagement. Right. Okay. So start with awareness. And if you are aware that you are worrying about, and I want a disclaimer here to say these are just really general. Hopefully the document itself, if you look at it on our website, it's on the resources page, will help you finesse it to your own circumstances. This is just a starting point to sort of get you thinking about it in ways that are more productive than worry. Right. So the first one on here is social media. What's the awareness? Well, that you're uncomfortable with how much time your kid is spending on social media or what they're doing on social media. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could be worried about. Right. So again, this is a broad brush we're painting with. Yes. And I think it's also important here to say that We parents sometimes go to worrying when really it's an awareness. Is the child seeming depressed? We're worried because every parent right now, like every parent. We heard the Surgeon General, so yeah, and we we hear stories every day. Right. Like the Surgeon General was a million years ago, by which I mean a month and a half ago or two months ago or whatever. No, I mean, I think that it is a concern, right? So you're aware that you have as a parent a concern. Mm -hmm. And the C is communication. Right. So often the first step is just to find out what's really true. So it may look like your kid is on their device all the time and maybe they're DMing with their best friend and maybe they're down a Facebook rabbit hole. I mean, those could be very different things. Right. So what are they doing? Right. So you can... And and then how do they feel about it? Right. So first clarify. Ask questions without questioning them. Right. It's not an interrogation. Right. What you want to do is find out how they're using their devices or if they're on social media and how they feel about social media. Right. You don't want to jump to the conclusion that it is bad or too much or being used to their detriment. So, you know, it's that deep breath and really try to find out what is going on rather than make your assumptions. 
And then ask questions like, okay, so tell me what you, the child, thinks are the costs and benefits of social media. Because my experience is that if you ask them that, they will, most kids are pretty clear on both of those. Right. They don't think it's only a benefit. Right. Well, and here's the other thing. Like They're growing up with this. It's like the air that they breathe. It's just always been there. Right. So that gives them a different perspective than the one we have about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are people coming up now as parents, their their kids aren't teenagers yet. Right. But they were raised in it. Right. The other thing to consider, we've got a line on this document that's you. So just in that awareness, what are your patterns? Right. Consider that. And in this communication place, once you have become aware of your own patterns, consider whether you have concerns about those. And if you do, that gives you that place where you can actually openly communicate. You know, I realized that there's an app and I monitor mine now. Mm. Yeah. Well, you get to see what you're modeling, right? right? Because as much as we'd like them to learn from what we say, they really learn from what we do. Yep. So taking a look at yourself sort of from the outside, like, am I on my phone? I mean, yes, maybe it's work emails that I'm on all the time, but what that looks like is just, I'm on my phone all the time. Right. You may have to go on social media for work. It may be part of your job to monitor. I mean, lots of people. Yeah. LinkedIn at social media. Yeah. Right. Part of the world. So, yeah. So it's not just what they're doing. It's what are you doing? Right. So aware of your response, your concerns about your children and bringing an awareness of yourself to the conversation, mm-hmm. bringing all of that to the sea, to the conversation. To the conversation. Right. What you want is a conversation with this emerging adult, not control. And once you've done that, then you can start engaging in mutually agreed upon solutions. Right. So what are the reasonable parameters? Right. And you can have some thoughts in the back of your head. And again, this depends upon how the conversation goes, how you are feeling. You can always engage by saying, you've given me a lot of information. Can we circle back next week? This is that engagement where you get to model give and take. Right. Just because you've gotten their opinion doesn't mean you have to do what they think either. Right. We're afraid to have the conversation because we're afraid that if they say something that we don't like, we'll still have to give in to that. Right. Because we don't want to get into an argument. They may be right. Right. I mean, I think that all of this takes time. And if you still are concerned, you can start discussing some of the options because, and again, this is going to vary from family to family. Does your kid live in the home? Does your kid not live in the home? But We've talked, I think, in previous episodes about, you know, lights out, all internet off at a certain hour. Right. And and all devices in a basket, whatever. Well, (laughs) we set up our internet to shut off at a certain time. What we didn't recognize was that one of our neighbors, I mean, this was back before people knew to put security on their Mm. internet. So you can still pick up other people's. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They were getting around it. But there are ways to set your router for parental, you know, you can exclude devices after a certain hour. You can, there are all sorts of things that you can do technically. Right. These things are possible. 
are your kids going to scream and yell like a toddler who's not getting what they want in the middle of the supermarket? Entirely possible. (laughs) But if you really feel strongly that your child is being harmed, not potentially harmed, but that they have found their people on the, I mean, and here you can get into all the other concerns. They found their people on the suicide social media groups. Mm. This is not a safe place for your child. And they're going to have feelings. And you can say, you know, this is really hard. We get it. Let's work together on other ways for you to manage this stage of your life. Because this is a hard stage. And I think we say at the top of this document that this is a hard time. And it's hard to sometimes suss out which is which. Right. Is this normal teenage behavior? Is this concerning behavior? Yeah, it's often very hard to suss out that. Yeah, and going difference. to WebMD is not going to help. <laughs> Speaking of right device use. Exactly. So another one, let's see. Which other one would you like to touch on? Well, I would say depression. Just because I think moody teenagers, it's really hard to figure out whether it's something to be concerned about or not. Right. So some of that is seeking out the professionals and and finding out what is concerning rather than just, oh, he's again slammed the door in my face and won't talk to anybody. And this is another opportunity. So you bring your awareness and then you have the conversation with the kid. How are you feeling? What do you know about mental health? Yeah. And are they isolating? Right. Right. In that awareness. Yeah. Do they have friends? Is that their choice if they don't have friends? You know, there's a a lot of social stuff that's going on in high school that's very complicated. And some kids cope by saying, I'm not going to deal with these adolescents, you know, (laughs) and so they don't have, you know, they may only have one or two really good friends. And it may look like isolation, but it's really to decide who they want to spend time with. Right. So it's not necessarily depression. It's not necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, if you're really worried about it, get professional help. Right. And the other thing is Quinn and I talk a lot about spectrums, not the autism spectrum, but that, that so many things are spectrums. And depression is one of those things I went to at Hazelton training the other day that talks about major depressive disease. Right. Because major depressive is different than feeling depressed today. Yeah. Like this is the thing that you want to keep in ongoing communication with your teen so that you can have a gauge of where are they on this spectrum. Yeah. Oh, yesterday they were feeling depressed, but today they seem to be feeling better. That's not major depressive disorder. Right. It doesn't mean it's not depression. It doesn't mean it, you don't want to monitor it. And more than monitor it, bring it to their awareness, right? right? And let them know you're there for it. And there are no end of possibilities if and when they want them. And as a parent, if you start being aware that you want to do something and they're under 18, (laughs) then you can take that to your own professionals. Right. In that, talking about the parents being aware of yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Are you feeling depressed? Consider that as well. Right. Do you have a history of depression or any other 
mental health issues. Well, and I think depression gets, um, the word gets used a lot. Sometimes mm. it's, yeah, you know, when you're sad, you're, you'll say you're depressed, you know, like, so I think there's also in this particular moment in time, we use depression both too broadly and not broadly enough. Doctors use it in a very particular way and the general public uses it all kinds of different ways. Yeah. There are a lot of, particularly adolescents, who are really struggling with their own mental health. Yeah. Whether they are disorder or just in the order of natural. Right. That's the tricky part. And the more you engage in conversation and communication and you don't try and quick fix it. And again, I'm going to humbly say here, Allie, who we didn't send away to wilderness and didn't get the quote unquote um, benefit of a year and a half of intensive therapy, would I say they suffer from depression? I have no letters after my name that give me the authority to say that. Mm -hmm. I know that they've had periods of time where they felt sad right. and, and often triggered by circumstances, right? Right. I mean, breakups right. and shifts and, oh, there's the pandemic, <laughs> which impacted everyone. And a lot of parents are very, very worried and aren't backing up enough to like, look at the evidence, talk with the kids. Right. How are you feeling? And in that awareness that you are doing drugs or having sex or using social media, yep, they would have been doing that before too. Are they, yeah. are they using it? Or using it. I was going to say, are they using it to escape or to change how they're feeling because they're feeling depressed? Right. So some of the topics for engagement would be offer different tools. If you have had any mental health issues in your life, you may have some tools. You may know, oh, there's therapy. You were just talking about 12 step. Mm -hmm. You were just talking about gratitude lists. There mm -hmm. are lots of tools available out there. There's lots of meditation. I was going to say, there's also meditation and exercise. Yes. And, you know, there are lots of little things, that, good sleep, lots of little things that you can do to improve your mood. And you can also ask them, what are you using right now to get relief from this? Right. Because that might open up other things that you are aware of and concerned about. We often, I think, possibly always suggest that by opening the conversation rather than I have a concern. Is there anything you're worrying about today? Right. Start by asking them because every once in a while, they'll just be waiting for someone to ask them that. And then all those concerns that you had, you can address together from the get-go. Yeah. And sometimes their answers will lead you down a path you hadn't considered. I mean, right. so you're worried about something and, and really it's about this other thing. Right. You know? Right. Because if you tell them what they're, you're thinking, you might drive them into your path, if that makes sense. Right. Here's the thing about parents. It's our job to a certain age to really pay attention to make sure they're safe. Mm -hmm. And these are the years where they're off on their own. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that all the time. And they're not very good at articulating things yet. So, mm. you know, it, part of this is helping them learn to articulate what's going on for them. 
right. by asking them questions and letting them stumble around with the words and the way they right. talk about it. Yes. Do not jump in mom and dad and grandparents and aunties. And because we do that, we finish their sentences and that's not listening. You know, I was thinking about it to, the other day that um, their brain is connecting and they've got all these hormones surging. And what that really means is they probably haven't held, and I don't remember being young enough to not do this, but they probably haven't held two feelings at the same time. Consciously? Consciously. Yeah. You know, so that's what they're starting to do. They're starting to, to pull apart what's the difference between anxious and elated, which frankly, a lot of people don't do until well into their adulthood, if ever. So, you know, this is a moment where they can be learning that stuff in particular. Right. So give them the space to learn what words fit and and how to articulate it, because articulating it, they will be able to start defining it themselves. Right. So I'm going to tap into that, because the other thing that occurs to me, it's important to say is, if you want to know how to not worry, you've got the ACE doc, you can ACE this. And this is not a five minute conversation. No. You want to not set an expectation of where it's going to go or how it's going to go, but set aside an hour. I have a good friend who's, she was my mother's best friend. And we had, she would call it the, the great conversation, right? <laughs> it was an ongoing conversation Right. It was going to be ongoing for the rest of our lives. It's oh. the sort of way it was presented. Like this was the big conversation that we just, and sometimes it was about little things like, oh, you know, lovely. the the season and what we were going to do for the summer. And sometimes we'd have the, the conversation would be about people and things in our lives. It just was the conversation. It was a sort of constant flow that we were always having. And, I love uh, that. Yeah. And so that's what you're trying to open up is the great conversation that you're going to have with your kids forever. Forever. Because if you're a loving part of their life, you're going to want to know about what's going right and what's going wrong and what's difficult and what's easy and where's the joy and the sorrow, you know, like all of it. And you want them to come to you, not be on their backs. Right. So it's coming at them. It's, it's the conversation that you would have with any friend with a little bit of a tweak because they're your child. So you, you want to let them lead it. Right. And as they get older, they will have to lead it less, right? Because they'll be an adult with you. But for right now, you're, you're just trying to get them to join the conversation. So the great conversation. Mm-hmm. I love that. And while you were saying that, I just had this vision of, Yesterday, we walked into a plant store in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We're buying Allie's partner. Allie said they like plants, so we wanted to go and get a plant. And they had these plants called a string of hearts. Mm. And when you were saying that great conversation, it's like this string of hearts. It just keeps going and growing. I mean, now it's a little plant. You keep watering it. It grows. And the best part of that whole visit, of course, it was the string of hearts plant is lovely. Uh-huh. And we walked in there and the the woman, she was a woman who yes. worked there. She was yes. being paid to work alone in a store. And she looked at me and she looked at you and she said, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Do you have a child named Harrison? 
right? Now we're looking at this woman and we're both going through the own, our own like contact list. Like, where do we know this person? How does she know? Bah, 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 bah. And who was she? <laughs> she was one of his exes. She was the girlfriend who was the girlfriend when we told him that he was going to Utah. Right. She was the girlfriend upstairs in his bedroom with him that day. Oh, I'd forgotten about the upstairs <laughs> in the bedroom. She was the girlfriend who we had coffee with after he had been taken by the quote unquote. That I remember. By Gabe and Andre in the middle of the night. Right. Right. You remembered having coffee with her at Starbucks. She was at the time 16, maybe 17. She was probably about his age. So she was 17 at the time and she was 17 at the time. We, she seemed reasonable enough. I mean, of the girlfriends, we liked her better than several Most. of them. <laughs> but you know, that was a very dramatic time where lots of kids were going on lots of social media and saying lots of things about this parent, at least. And I think she might have been even part of that. And what is she doing now? She's going on to get her master's in psychology, mental health, mental health. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, it's that reminder. They grow up. They really do. Things change. What are we worried about? Yeah. What are we really worried about? And that brings me to remember something that I ask parents and sometimes they push back a little. It's like, how does it help you? This worrying. Mm. How does it help your children? How does worrying help your children? Yeah. And most of them admit that it doesn't actually help their children. Yeah. But I can't stop doing it. (laughs) Right. Well, so I'm going to add to the playlist now Mm. because Pharrell, you know, Pharrell knows his stuff. Um, the legend of the Phoenix all ends with beginnings. What keeps the planet spinning? Hmm. The end is just the beginning. The beginning is the end. and It just keeps going. The great conversation. Yeah. The string of hearts. If I worry, I'm just spinning in place. Yeah. Well, that makes me think of somebody spinning a plate, which <laughs> takes a lot of concentration yeah. You can do it for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's, people feed you. <laughs> I was going to say, it's just exhausting. I've never tried to spin a plate. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to be an acrobat to have spun a plate, I think, for real. Yeah, but I got good at spinning in place. Yeah. It didn't help anything. And then I stopped. Because you know what the word is before worry in the dictionary? No, I don't know. What is it? <laughs> what is it, Sarah? Worn. Mm. <laughs> worn out, worn through, tired. Let's see. Hold on. What does it say? Damaged by use or wear, looking tired and exhausted. Yeah. You're thinking, you're feeling, and you're deciding to worry. It is a decision. And right. you can try gratitude. You can check out the aces. But remember, this could be a new beginning. And what is your part in that? during this transition, during these transitional years. Right. So the practice of the week, Sarah? Get online, look at the aces, (laughs) get that ace sheet, ace this, and practice. If you don't have time to do that, remember, be aware, bring awareness, communicate, engage. Practice this every day. You can do it with other people. You can even do it in your head. Just remember... Don't pick up the worry. 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok at Plan P is for. If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online. All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.